Should we be concerned about Travis Hunter's health? I do owe Prairie View an apology. And also, let's take a look at the NCAA's top five HBCUs. Oh yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. You remember, just because the mic cuts off and it will cut off. It does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You can read it right there in that lower third. But let's get into a question that I think is kind of important for fans. I have the answer, in my opinion, right? But I think it's kind of important for fans specifically of Jackson State. And that's the question of should we be concerned about Travis Hunter's health. I want to get a little bit of a gauge, right? Are we are we in DEFCON? Like, we need to push the panic button. Are we in the red? Are we yellow? Are we green where everything's just cool? We got we to gotta break all of that down. So Travis Hunter has been ruled out of Saturday's game versus Grambling already. He's been ruled out of that game. Um, So far, Hunter's played in one game in his collegiate career, and he looked pretty good. He lived up to the hype. I would say pretty much pretty much immediately. You know, he came out against FAMU and within the first three plays, they tested him, had a pass breakup, a, a flag denied that call. Um, not on him, of course, but just the flag. I, th- I don't even think the play counted, to be honest. But it was a pass deflection. We saw him two more times, and he made plays on the ball. Um, we did not see Travis Hunter often in that, in that Florida A&M game, but that's because he was able to instill a certain level of fear in these guys and I think that that was the perfect showcase for the first game like this is the first time we ever seen Travis Hunter and he's already being avoided only tested not even a handful of times a great showing against Tennessee State we barely saw Travis Hunter again and against Grambling we're not gonna see Travis Hunter again the only difference is in the first game we didn't see him because they weren't targeting him in the second and third game We're not going to see him because he's injured. And now there comes the true question. Should we be concerned about the injury? Um, I'm going to break down a little bit of the history of these injuries with Travis Hunter. Um, I will not. I will tell you when I am actually passing a an answer to the question of should we be concerned? Since Travis Hunter has um, committed and entered and excuse me, enrolled at Jackson State. He's had some injury issues, right? So he made it all the way through spring camp, no injuries. But then we see him because we 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 pay attention during spring camp. We're seeing all the clips and everything. But then we get to the spring or the swipe media day, and now he's in a boot. All right, now that's a little bit con- con- concerning. Why is he in a boot? I haven't really heard much about this, but why is he in a boot? Oh, he's all right. He'll play in the Orange Blossom Classic. He should be good to go for week one. Week one comes around. 
There's questions if he's going to be good, but he plays. And when he plays, Chef Kiss loves it. It looks amazing. But then we two comes around. Or excuse me, right after the game, they got, uh, I think, pictures of him with ice on, on his feet. All right, so you're still in pain. Week two, you don't play. Week three, you don't play. Travis Hunter, from, from visual, has been injured more than he's been healthy in his collegiate career. Now let's get right into the question. Should we be concerned? Nah. My concern level is in the green. It's low. I'm thumbs up and injuries happen. It's football. I think it sucks that it had to happen at the onset of his career, right? Um, we were able to see what he was. But overall, it happened so early, man. But the one game he played, he lived up to the hype. So you don't have to question that part of things. But because he's been out so, so I don't want to say frequently because it's only been two games. I think that he's only played one and he's a freshman coming in with so much hype. So it could lead you to overreact. I want to tell you, do not overreact about Travis Hunter's injury. All right. It does not seem to be something that's going to persist in Jackson State is handling it perfectly. They're doing everything they need to do to make sure that they are protecting their investment, which was the number one overall recruit in the nation. This is smart business by Jackson State. Do not be concerned that he's missed two games already. Um, I do have a very optimistic tone, I feel like. I do feel like I sound pretty optimistic. Um, and I'm, I, I want to draw a line because it's not the same as D. Davis, right? So we're in the green, but the concern is a little bit higher. Or excuse me, I think the injury severity is different. There's no reason to be concerned because it happens. You, you're like this is not something that's going to impact Travis Hunter in 2023. I don't like I don't think it's that. It doesn't sound like that kind of injury. If it was, he wouldn't have played against FAMU. D Davis, he didn't play because he was going against a D2 team and you felt like you have another starting quarterback in Miles Crawley and then you're going against UCLA, a game that you're probably not going to win. This is a risk outweighing the reward type situation. Travis Hunter Sat out a game against Tennessee State, a high-level FCS HBCU team. And then also is now sitting out a, oh, and that's a conference, I mean, a rival game. Now he's about to sit out a conference game. So he, he is actually hurt, right? Um, but let's read off what Deion Sanders had to say about, about sitting him against Grambling. He said he's not playing. We're going to play him when he's healthy and he's ready. We want you to see all of Travis, the offensive guy, defensive guy, special teams guy. We want you to see all of him. Now, that does explain why he didn't play offense against FAMU. I thought it was just because they were blowing him out and maybe they plan on getting him into the game plan later, but they didn't. That's not the case. The case is that he just is not healthy enough. Um, they even mentioned how he was only 60% in that game. Now, continue what Sanders said. He said, I don't want to just ease him in game by game or in bits and pieces. That's not fair to Travis's health or future whatsoever. And he's completely correct. They say that the best ability is availability. All right. I've heard the cliche. And if that's number one, something that's pretty high, I got a couple other abilities, sustainability and capabilities. Look, you're not doing much in this in this game if you're not capable, if you don't have the capabilities and the talent to be able to achieve a certain level, you're not getting it done. And sustainability is right there as the cousin of availability because 
you want to be able to continue doing your thing for a long period of time. By keeping Travis Hunter out, kind of taking away his availability, you are now going to increase his capability because he's going to come back at 100%, right? Instead of starting off at 60 and continue to go in, and continue going down as the season goes and he takes more bangings. And also he's going to be more sustainable because you're having him going in at a it's like Mortal Kombat or any other fight game, you know. Your, your bar is all the way here. As you keep working down, working down, working down, you used to have those games where it was three fighters, right? And you may take out the first guy, but he took out 70% of your health. Well, you're not going to get that 70% that back. Now you're only working with 30 through the next fight. In every fight, your health is going to go down. That's Travis Hunter. Why are you going to already start him with 40% of his, um, his health? down it just does not make sense right um i think that they're doing a great job protecting their investment it's extremely smart they're able to do this because a and most importantly they care for the player but then also they have extreme depth to where they don't ever have to feel pressed about travis hunter getting in they believe in their defensive backs so you care for the player i think that i think that Dion say, sees a lot of himself in travis in if you're around a large group, man, you're going to have your favorites. I think that Hunter is one of Sanders' favorites. That's just my personal opinion. I think that they are doing this the right way. They are definitely doing this the right way and making sure that he doesn't get hurt, that he doesn't get hurt of, or he doesn't get put in a position to be hurt even worse. Because let's be honest, could you imagine the media firestorm around all HBCUs if Travis Hunter were to get hurt? Here, oh, that's why that's why HBCUs don't need don't need no good things. He was already hurt. You put him in harm's way more. This ain't just Jackson State. This everybody. That that doesn't matter. But I can only imagine hearing it. Like there's no way to titivate that situation. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, a spin your PR trying tries to put on it. They gonna attack that a hundred percent. There's no making that look better. So I think they're doing the right thing. Um, and screw the media firestorm. They're doing the right thing for Travis Hunter. Jackson State is handling that kid well. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about another team in the SWAC, and that is Prairie View because I'm going to have to humble myself. I'm going to have to give them an apology. Ugh. I had to swallow my pride. I, I'm going to have to give an apology to my alma mater's rival, Prairie View A&M. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to talk about bet online. Now, who was putting money down on that Broncos game? Listen, um, I recorded the last episode in the middle of that game and came back to it. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. I don't know what was going on, but if you put your money down, you either made a lot of money on Geno Smith or you might have lost a lot of money on, I'm going to say Nathaniel Hackett, all right, because I don't know what that was. Um, but NFL season is in full effect. You can breathe. You can exhale calmly. You don't have to worry about what your weekends are going to look like for the next four months. And when you're doing five months, because you got the playoffs. And when you're worrying about, oh, what game am I going to watch? Need to go to bet online and worry about what game you're going to bet on, because they're going to give you information to make sure that you're making the smartest bets for yourself. They're going to give you the information that makes you feel like, oh, I am an expert. I can bet on this game confidently. That's my favorite thing about them. In addition to the versatility of having football, basketball, baseball, combat sports, and everything in between, that's why I consider them the fastest and easiest. Way to wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts.
As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And making us a part of your daily routine makes me feel so special. So thank you, truly. Now, today's word of the day is titivate, and it means to make someone or something neater or more attractive. There was no way to titivate the idea of putting the number one recruit in the nation out on the field already injured and an injury getting better. No. There's no way to make that situation look better. I'm glad that Travis Hunter and Jackson State have come to the agreement not to do it. Now, with that being said, um, I took the break to go ahead and eat a little bit of humble pie. I took the opportunity to get some water and to wash down my pride when I tried to swallow it. I'm here to apologize to the stinking Prairie View A&M Panthers. I wrote them off. I did. I did not include them in the SWAC West contenders. And through two weeks of action, it appears that I was wrong. This isn't my list uh, or this isn't my time to say that Prairie View should be the favorites. But I did have a segment about, uh, I think maybe like two months ago, maybe right around SWAC Media Day. Um, I had this this segment where I said basically the the impact of Eric Dooley cannot be understated. And I still think that's true. There's a reason why people predict Southern to, you know, really take a, a, a nice uptick and win the SWAC West this year. But I think I might have overestimated how much Prairie View was going to just fall apart and dismantle with Eric Dooley gone. And like Fat Joe, I leaned back and I leaned back on tradition. I looked at Alcorn. Oh, well, they've been in the SWAC championship basically every year until last year. Rambling and Southern, they were alternating SWAC championship appearances until last year. So now I'm sitting there like, oh, well, these teams going to get right. They got Dooley. I can always trust McNair. Hugh got them boys riled up in North Louisiana. I think I can count on these teams to be those guys. And I still think that to be true. However, where I failed and where I messed up, was acting as if it was only a trio when it should have been a quartet, right? Evolution, four members. Yeah, I had to count real quick. The four horsemen, right? These are members that have, or groups that have four members. I've been sitting here treating it like it was the shield when really it was the four horsemen and Prairie View has shown through the first two weeks why they are a team that you should consider a true threat to win the SWAC West. So um, I haven't said it. I apologize, Prairie View, for counting you out and acting like the, the, the sky was falling just because you lost your head coach. That is clearly not the case. Prairie View A&M can pass the ball. I know it sounds like such a low bar, right? But when you look at last week for Prairie View, or not last week, Two weeks ago, week one for Prairie View, they faced Texas Southern and they completed not a single pass, not a one. They attempted six passes, two got intercepted, one was by the backup quarterback, by the way, just so we get that out the way. But they didn't complete a single pass and they still beat Texas Southern. Not only did they beat Texas Southern, they beat down Texas Southern. They beat them by three scores and never completed a pass. As an, as an alum, that had me frustrated. And I could look at my side of things and say, TSU, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do that. But if we just look on the other side, beating a team and never completing a pass is domination because everybody in the building knew you were running that rock and they still could not stop them. And it's not as if 
it was a uh, uh, a defensive performance where there were short fields all the time. No, the defense is good, but they weren't just giving short fields all the time. Out of the seven times that Prairie View scored, they had to drive 60 or more yards five times, and they never completed a pass. Never. That's domination. Now, I felt embarrassed on that side. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, dang, no, no, no completions. And that's that's how we that's how we gave it up. But it is what it is, right? But I had the question. Is it did they not complete a pass and not attempt many passes because they couldn't pass or because they simply did not need to pass? That's different. If you're just like, well, I'm running it down they throw, everybody know I'm running. And they're not, they're not stopping it. I don't need to throw. All right, cool. And the conditions were terrible. They weren't good conditions at Prairie View that day. It was, it was really rainy. Um, the ESPN broadcast couldn't even stay in because of the weather. That's how bad it was, right? So I had to see. And against Abilene Christian, they proved very soon, Trazion Con or Trazion Conley, yeah, Conley can throw. All right, he made some throws that I said, oh, you thread the needle right there. That was some real good ball placement right there. You can throw the ball, right? I mean, I think the offense kind of got a little stagnant after a while, but he made throws that gave me confidence that if I needed him to make throws, he would make those throws. And that's what I needed against Abilene Christian. So I think they should have won that game. I'll be honest with you. If I didn't know I was going to come on Monday and talk about the Southern Heritage Classic, I would have diverted all of my attention over to that Prairie View Abilene Christian game. I genuinely felt like that was a good game that Abilene Christian was supposed to lose. Like, I don't even almost... I think there was a key moment. I don't want to say that, that Abilene Christian didn't beat Prairie View, but I do think there was a key moment that Prairie View, it, they messed up with a decision, right? I did not agree with the decision to go for it on fourth down. I would have kicked the field goal. I, I don't think that was the right call. It wasn't as wrong as wasting 40 seconds of clock to kick a 64-yard field goal with a kicker who's never made it past 62. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I don't know what that guy was thinking, right? But this guy, Coach Prairie View, I felt like he was trying to steal all the momentum, and I get it. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. If I was a coach, I'd be conservative. A conservative. I just I don't think that I'm the guy who's going to be taking a lot of risks. So um, maybe that's where this comes from. But when I look at that decision, you're up six points. I think you're supposed to kick it and go up nine. Neither team had momentum. They were just looking at the momentum in the middle of the field like, somebody's got to grab it. And for the first time in a couple of drives, Prairie View got close to grabbing it. And I think that they should have just kicked it. And it felt to me that when they didn't get that, that was it for them. The momentum was gone from, the, from their offense. I don't know if, if it hit Abilene Christian right away because the, the defense did force another stop that was really good. But then after one stop, Abilene came and touchdown, touchdown. I believe that if you go in and you score nine points up, I think that Abilene, that might take a little heart from them because they weren't scoring. They were not scoring. The defense has been a constant for Prairie View. Texas Southern was running too. Not getting much. You know, you look at the uh, 23 points they scored, six of them came from a pick six, right? They missed the field goal or the extra point, so it was uh, only six points. But... Overall, the defense played well. They stopped the run well. And there's some good runners, right? They got two good running backs, and Andrew Body is a pretty good runner. 
and they didn't really get much traction against Prairie View. Then you look at this game against ACU. They forced the quarterback into three interceptions, and guess what? He ain't had three interceptions the week before. He ain't had. He wasn't that turnover prone the week before. And one of those interceptions put them into really good scoring position before halftime as well. So I've seen that the defense can get it done through the air. Uh, I've seen the defense can get it, done, get it done on the ground in the same way about the offense. They can definitely run. Even when Prairie View was telegraphing the fact they were going to run, Texas Southern still couldn't stop them. And I thought that Trazon Conley had a couple of good throws in this game that gave me the feel like, okay, I can orchestrate a drive with him, and he's really good with his legs. This feels like a complete team that if you don't feel the way I feel about Texas Southern, I still think there's talent on that team. You might think I'm rushing a judgment about Prairie View, but I do feel that way about Texas Southern. So with that being the case, it looks as if the Panthers are a complete team. And instead of it being a trio with Alcorn, um, Grambling, and Southern, you got to throw one more finger up and say it's a quartet because Prairie View is at least going to contend and make some noise within this SWAC West Eric Dooley or no Eric Dooley. As we're wrapping up the episode, we are going to talk about the NCAA's top five HBCU list. They themselves gave out who they think the top five is. I'm going to break down how their list is orchestrated and then also what it means as far as up, down, who jumped, who fell. All of those things are going to be discussed as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about the NCAA's top five HBCU list. It's really top 21. They list everybody from 1 to 21, but I ain't going that far, all right? If I was listing every single team, I would either be giving no analysis and just listing people out, or I'd be here for the full episode. So I'm thinking if I want to incorporate this during the uh, during the week at times, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do it occasionally, just a, a little update. But I do think it's interesting to see what the NCAA themselves feel about each HBCU. So in this list, they're going to give where they rank, of course. They're also going to give their rank from the previous week and then also a little bit of explanation on why they are where they are today. I didn't see one for the preseason. I was able to see one after week one, so going into week two and then also after this week's action or last week's action going into this week. So I'll break down today's, like the most recent one, but then I'll give the previous ranking. So to my knowledge, that's the only one I've seen. Um, before we get into that, though, let's talk about the biggest risers. Y'all thought I was about to give you another ad, huh? No. All right. Um, but I want to I talk about the biggest risers and also the biggest fallers within this list. I'm looking at Grambling State. They're up four. Um, and that's after a really impressive performance against Northwestern where, yeah, they had a, they might have struggled week one, but they definitely bounced back in a major way, and it led to them jumping up four. I think this is about the performance they put on the field. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff, who put up, I think, over 75 points. Crazy. Hampton, 2-0. Prairie View, who we just talked about, they might have lost, but like I said, I think it was a strong showing they all jumped three, those three teams, Pine Bluff, uh, Hampton, and Prairie View. North Carolina A&T is the biggest faller. They have actually the biggest movement amongst anybody, and that's five. But they went on the negative side, and they lost to Central. 
And then also, I think they might have been right outside the top five. Before that, they might have been like eight-ish, I think. I'm just going off the top of my head. I can't remember um, because they're not a part of this top five anymore. <laughs> but um, uh, North Carolina A&T, when they lost to North Dakota State, they lost bad, and it went down five spots. Now, here's one that I really do not agree with. I do not agree with this one here. Alcorn State going down three. They got blown out by Tulane, but they looked really good against Stephen F. Austin. I'll let you guess which one is closer to the competition they're going to face on a regular basis. I'll, I'll let you guess if they were second in the division or second in the conference, excuse me, and got a bid to the playoffs, what level of team that they'll be playing. It ain't going to be Tulane. It's not. Maybe once you get up, you might, you might want to say the top tier FCS teams might be able to knock off Tulane, but a lot of them aren't. You know, let's not like let's not let's not knock them too much for losing an FBS loss. To, in my opinion, an FBS loss loss should not knock you down three. Um, and I will mention that later because there's some teams that crept into the top five because Alcorn got knocked down three spots. And I'm just not a fan of. I, I don't agree with that. But let's get into the list and where it starts is with Jackson State. They're number one. They were number one the week before. Um, they came out another really good win, another dominant defensive performance. The offense had some self um, self-inflicted wounds you likely want to clean up. But overall, really good victory against Tennessee State. Can't knock them for that. Um, and they also mentioned Niles Gaddy. I'm very happy that they mentioned how dominant Niles Gaddy was. Nearly nine disruptive plays in the game. Wow. Um, I love that. Then South Carolina State comes in at number two. You see, they didn't get knocked for losing to UCF. They didn't get knocked for that. They came out and they handled up on Bethune-Cookman. They were two last week. They're two this week. Now, granted, they are the champs. And I don't believe in treating everybody uh, equal means treating everybody fair when you're talking about these type of lists. No. You have a certain level of history. You were the champs. These teams are a rebounding team. So they deserve a little bit of preferential treatment. Sorry. When we're making this list, I don't believe in, uh, I believe fairness is fairness. And it's not always everything is equal in these things right here. Um, then you go to North Carolina Central. They're number three. They were number three last week. They they 2-0. They've knocked off two of, they, uh, two of their, their in-state rivals in the HBCU ranks with North Carolina A&T and then Winston-Salem State. And when you're really thinking about it, when you're really getting into it, these are the top three teams. We might have thought it was FAMU. That's, that's why I can't remember where FAMU was. But um, when you look at FAMU, they're not there right now. They're not. Right now, the top three teams are Central, South Carolina State, and then Jackson State. I think Central looks really, really good. And I would not be shocked if soon you see Central even jump South Carolina State because, like I have mentioned, they have gotten top 25 votes. I saw them on the list. I do not remember seeing South Carolina State in these publications are pretty close, right? Like, you can find the FCS Top 25 on NCAA.org. So they are very close. Um, then we're going to get into number four, and that's Southern. Southern got beat pretty bad by by LSU, right? And, and it wasn't relatively close. LSU is better than, than Tulane, right? So, I mean, you might give them a little bit of a pass. But Alcorn going down three spots, knocked them up. They were five last week. They're four this week. And it's all because Alcorn dropped. If, if, in my opinion, that should just be a squash. That's just me. 
I think Alcorn may be a swap because they did show a little bit more life. They got, uh, I think they got a pick six in, at the end of the game. Um, so there was a little bit more life on Southern. Just a simple swap. Let Southern go to four. Let Alcorn drop to five, maybe. Instead, they have Tennessee State at five. And I'm not mad about it, right? Like, if you take out Alcorn in the conversation, because maybe I just I just value Alcorn's near victory against uh, Stephen F. Austin a little bit more than NCAA. Clearly, that's the case. But at the same time, um, Tennessee State, they've gone against two really high-level FCS teams. Um, they played each relatively close. Um, that Jackson State game, you got to get the offense going against Eastern Washington. You got to get the offense a little bit more consistent. There's some questions there. But they played two high-level FCS opponents. Take out the HBCU, just high-level FCS, right? We're not just talking about Jackson State being number one here. Jackson State is a, a borderline top 10 team in the FCS right now. It's a, it's, a, it's a quality team, and they were still relatively close with them. So they're getting points for being close with no cigar, but let's be honest. They're also here because Alcorn dropped. Alcorn was four. They dropped below uh, Southern, Tennessee State, and then also Prairie View. All three of those teams lost, period. So I, I'm not a fan of, of Alcorn dropping down three spots. I know it is what it is, but I personally i personally would have maybe dropped them down one i don't think i even would have dropped them below tennessee state yeah i don't, I don't know i don't know I, I i find it difficult to push up these two teams when they didn't have the best of showings either and Alcorn has to drop three spots i'll leave it there i won't complain about it any longer we might make this more of a routine through the week i don't know let me know what you think about it um am i tripping on Alcorn? Right? Am I tripping on Alcorn? And I apologize for yesterday not actually adding a question. I had a brain fart and I completely forgot what it was and I forgot to do it. Um, I will try my best to do something today. I, I'm, matter of fact, I'll make a note to just ask, is Prairie View in the SWAC West contender conversation? So I'll make a note to ask that right at the end of this. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day and always sitting here and listening through some of my brain farts. So uh, I appreciate that, guys. You are absolutely phenomenal. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about some of our other game of the weeks that just did not make the cut for the numero uno. That accent was kind of trash. Anyway, for the number one game of the week, uh, make sure you guys are checking out our conference shows for your second listen of the day. Locked on ACC, Locked on SEC, Pac-12, uh, um, and then also we have new Sunbelt. So shout out to them as well. They're doing it big over there, man. In the meantime, in between time, you can catch up with me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, I'm just having fun, man. <laughs> Peace.